Babe. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Babe. I'm doing wellness checks on current babes, past babes, and all sorts of babes. But this week, my wellness check is on Tierney Finster. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) It's me. Hi. It's Tierney, bitch. It's Tierney, bitch. It's Tierney, bitch. I like doing that in British more. It's Tierney, bitch. This is a oh, that was kind of Australian. Jamay. Jamay. <laughs> Jamay. This has been a great time. I think I'm going to start watching um, like accent tutorials on YouTube and try and start just yeah, learning on various dialects. It's so good to do that because you can learn something in like three minutes. Mm-hmm. For free. Three minutes. <laughs> Three minutes. Uh, three minutes. You I used to watch quickly. YouTube videos. <laughs> <laughs> it was differentiating between Kiwi, like a New Zealand accent, and an Australian accent. And that is very interesting. Oh, yeah. They're very different. And Kiwis will get pissed if you think that they're Australian by mistake. Australian, yeah. Australian. And then when I started practicing the Kiwi dialect i sort of lost the australian in me it's really jumbled i need to study with you yeah i think i was like this is a really good time to just like do accent work for no other reason than just wanting to do it i think i was inspired mostly by ben mendelson um i don't know if you were watching the outsider at all but he's oh my god is he the main actor yes oh my god he's so sexy he's so sexy it's unreal i literally am so glad you brought this up because i watched that i'm only halfway through the season i started watching it a couple months back and just wasn't urgent about it but it's kind of boring in some parts yeah he is truly the gift that keeps on giving the way he uses his mouth simply is just stunning and that lisp i can't i like i'm actually like turned on just thinking about salivating it. No, I I am. Know. i'm literally <laughs> drooling on myself i t- walked around my apartment just speaking in a ben mendelson lisp yesterday i've never tried i mean that was definitely the most enthralling part of the whole show which a lot of my friends are actually really into um i just felt like every episode was four hours long so i couldn't really mow through them Yeah, it's a lot. I was ending up on my phone for like a big chunk of certain episodes. And then I was just like, I powered through because I wanted to get to the end. And I was here for my boy, Ben. But like, he was truly, it was the best thing to come out of that. And then I did a lot of Ben Mendelsohn research because I was like, what's his deal? Like, where did he come from? All this stuff. And he's in a lot of he okay, so he's in a lot of like action movies, like and star he plays like the villain in some Star Wars movies, I think, and like or maybe not. I don't know. He's in like some Star Wars and like shit like that. (laughs) Shit like that, which I was like, no, like miss me. I love him, but not that much. Like I'm not going down that road. Not enough to watch that, yeah. No, but then he's in a movie called Una with Rooney Mara. And it's like an adaptation of a play called Blackbird about this woman in her 20s who finds a man who like molested her essentially when she was Uh 12 and like goes to confront this man that she like this like 
they fell in love when she was 12 and he was 40 and had this like fucked up relationship and so she goes to confront him and the movie is like okay but he's like very hot in it as well and he's giving i was gonna say (laughs) that storyline with your own erotic fascination already that must have been fool's gold yeah (laughs) it was really what the doctor ordered and then <laughs> I went further down the Ben Mendelsohn K-hole and found out that he used to be married to this writer who also dated – she seems to be a wild lady. So she dated prior to Ben Colin Farrell and, like, wrote a whole wow. memoir about her relationship with Colin. Then she got with Ben. They had a kid. Then they got divorced. And she wrote um, an essay for, like, I think an Irish or a British publication about, like, the their marriage falling apart. Because she's also, she's a writer-director. So she directed him in an indie film with Jemima Kirk, which I obviously need to watch. It's oh, on my wow. Corona watch list. But she, yes. that article made me scared about Ben because it was, like, you never really know what a guy's like until you've talked to like the women that have dated him previously. And she painted a portrait that was like, at one point she said that he wore like really unclear, like waxy jeans. And (laughs) uh, that spoke to me. And then she said at one point he went through, like he was going kind of crazy one day, like, cause he also is like, I think deeply struggles with alcoholism and drug addiction. Don't we all? But like, Mm -hmm. he seems to be like, have moments where he'll wild out more than others. And she said that he played the Skrillex song with ASAP Rocky wild for the night, like 50 times in a row. one He loved that song. He loved it. Like he went like full blown super fan of that song and played it over and over and over. And, and this like, made its way into the essay. This made its way into the essay. I'll share the essay Please. in the Patreon link and I'll send it to you too. Cause it's a truly wild ride. I cannot believe it because I didn't know where Ben Mendelssohn came from before outsider, but I was immediately like, trying to tell Brian, like, this is hot to me. Like, he's hot to me. <laughs> and, yeah. like, I feel like almost, you know, I you get it, right? Um, oh, then- I fully get it. And I think it's fair. In a relationship, you need to be able to tell your significant other who is hot and why. That's essential. Definitely. And it's like, also, you should, I, feel, I believe everybody should want or desire all types of people, like, just because my boyfriend's not like Ben Mendelsohn, that's unfortunate, but it does mean that he's not also hot. You know? Yeah. Duh. One but thing does not he was way more the like, other. I thought he was like more, I didn't know he had this glamorous Hollywood, um, like web around him though, with, you know, fame sharing women with famous actors as well. And, big budget films like i took him as more of this quaint american character actor oh no he is no like steve buscemi <laughs> he is like a wild yeah. playboy 
I saw, um, I was like creeping on like Google images and watching old interviews with him. And I found a night out that he had with Bono at like Chiltern Firehouse and he looked wasted and he was wearing the waxy jeans and a t-shirt that said, I'm a mess in huge letters. Oh my God. He loves diesel. I was like, Ben, what are you doing? Like, is that, it's like, that's like an outfit Britney Spears would have worn. Yeah. And so then it makes me think like, he must be the great, he's a great actor, truly, because I think of him as like a lisping sad detective like who loves his wife so much and yes totally (laughs) he's a party boy (laughs) the relationship with his wife and his own relationship to family is like very compelling and outsider and it definitely creates this venn diagram of like who you mentioned steve buscemi mark ruffalo like these kind of really empathetic like learned they were hot later in life types Mm -hmm. that's revealing my crush on steve oh yeah it's big time with steve (laughs) we all know that (laughs) millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from noom like evan who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds salads generally for most people are the easy button right for me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Um, what have you been watching or like doing to keep yourself sane? I need all the I need all the tyranny tips and tea. Right. Okay. So I will admit that this whole year I've been becoming more homebound than I've ever been, at least since like eighth grade. Mm-hmm. And so I sort of like it wasn't as huge of a jolt as it might have been six months ago even or four months ago or something Um, because I was already kind of bragging like I haven't left the valley for two weeks or only to go to Malibu like you know I only hang out in Topanga Canyon in the valley and I'm like not socializing in the same way blah 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 and so I do feel a sense of familiarity like I have to admit I've long been wearing Ugg slippers most of the day Mm -hmm. Um, but Obviously, it's a lot different when you have to be here. Um, I'm pretty into, like, surrendering. So I definitely get nervous about everything. But so far, luckily, all my family and friends have been safe and healthy amid corona. So, like, I have just been tapping into that essential nerdy self of mine. Like, the self that's usually too popular to be accessed you know what Mm -hmm. do you want me to say like I feel like I grew up an only child like just entertaining and educating myself so it's kind of going back into a lot of those patterns like you know number one reading a lot um actually reading books that have been sitting on my you know when someone you really like recommends you a book and you buy it like right away and you just don't read it right away yeah um I've been mowing through some of those. I just finished Outline by Rachel Cusk. Have you read that? No, but I have that. Some uh, reader sent that to me and said that was their favorite book. Um, oh, 
So that's been on my list. Okay, cool. I'm going to read that. It's super sexy and smart and it's just unlike any book that I've ever read. And luckily it's a trilogy, which uh, means I'm about to order the next one today. Um, What else did I read? I read this book, Exquisite Mariposa by Fiona Duncan. Um, That's a cool book. You might have known her. She was living in L.A. She's a writer and she basically wrote a book about being a little bit older than her housemates and moving into this Koreatown apartment with like five young femmes and sort of all of their like struggle to tell what's real in the world or not. And like, honestly, a lot of the same themes as outlined, but just totally different style, blah, blah, blah. I also read Flea's book because I'm an LA rock god. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, what's funny is, like, I'm, like, have a slutty side for the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and the whole book literally never, like, I kept being, like, okay, 200 pages in, and we're still not to Red Hot Chili Peppers. 300 pages in, we're not to Red Hot Chili Peppers. Well, we never really get there, (laughs) which It is is just all about his life leading up to it. That's amazing. Yeah, and it has these really interesting, like, kind of like in italics it'll be paired this like flash toward the future so there are moments where he's writing from the perspective of already having attained some success or whatever in the band um but it's never like we're never with him in the studio or we're never like uh, on tour it's definitely not the cutest book you know yeah he, <laughs> um, did he write it what he wanted I think he literally wrote it. Chic. I don't know if that's just like being naive, um, but I kind of, I mean, obviously he worked with amazing editors, but I don't think he had a, like another writer, which not that it's bad too, but I don't know. I just feel like he wrote it. That's cool. Yeah. I've been curious about that one too. Mm, Okay. So I try to read in the morning and then it took like me a solid time, like when you wake up in the morning. Yeah, like maybe I'll pee and I get back in bed and I read. Mm-hmm. Um and like I started a new book in bed today and then only the last couple days have I been doing yoga at home because like okay, like the rush to everybody going live, streaming their guru, forwarding their coach. <laughs> it's like, fuck. Like, it's it a was lot. just overwhelming. It's a lot. I was being invited to like five yoga classes and like three of them would be at the same time, like 9 a.m. on a Saturday. Or I definitely think it's amazing people are offering resources, especially free resources and stuff like that. But it just – I had to be home for a while before I really gave a shit to do yoga. <laughs> Yeah, I had a I had like a party period at home, I think, where it was like right when like okay, so the last real normal day I had was like March 11th, March 12th, and then it all kind of the social distancing started to like really set in. So I like stocked yeah. up on like wine and like decadent cheese and like charcuterie and then just like was like living the life of like a king and then i realized i was like oh wait this is gonna be going on for a really long time and like what am i gonna like i'm not just gonna like eat cheese every day 
Right. So then I just had to like, so I'm now settling into like, okay, what do I actually need? Like, do I really need to go get food or like get groceries? What do I have at home? Like sort of settling into like a lifestyle. Right. Yeah. I stayed home. I started staying home around similar date and I, I stayed solidly home for 15 days And aside from just walking around my neighborhood, um, because I had been prepping a bit already, like not hoarding or anything, but just like, oh, I'm going to buy the larger size, you know, toilet paper or whatever, instead of just like getting it as I go. Uh, And (laughs) flying by the seat of your pants. (laughs) Yeah, literally. (laughs) Which when I say I'm like, I've been at home more, it's not because I am like just antisocial. I feel it's because I've been literally wanting to like live better, you know? And Mm -hmm. obviously I'm super privileged to be in a house in the Valley where there's like, you know, no one. Cause like my friend who lives in, um, was feel is was like, oh yeah, I go on a walk around my neighborhood, but it's like 30 people, you know, everyone wants to walk in Griffith Park or whatever. Yeah. Um, but it's really quiet over here. I saw a peacock on my walk the other day, which was very beautiful and exciting. Glam. And like, yeah, I mean, I have an office in my house too. So that's where I am right now. Um, so I don't feel like anyone, it's me Brian, who's my boyfriend, and my parents all quarantining together, which sound it's been feeling like an indie movie plot at times. As we- it is totally. I was going to say that's like a TV show for sure. It is because it's like this way of like our relationship somehow. And some of this is my own like psychoanalytic writerly like preoccupation with myself and my family dynamics. But like it's just crazy how like some – one person or one relationship can become this like mirror or contrast point for another relationship. Um, but overall I check in on my cousins and their families. It seems like they're all doing way more fighting than us. So that's, it's like pretty peaceful, which growing up, I didn't always have the most peaceful environment, um, with the same cast of characters. So it's like kind of been really nourishing and like, peaceful to have this go at it um and that's also why like there's groceries you know like there's a cat like a cupboard like just different things I took for granted you know like having a cupboard growing up that's like a bunch of food I don't want to touch right like yeah some beans and macaroni and cheese or whatever but like just realizing how much abundance there is in these different forms and like being grateful for it and trying to share what I can uh you know bring some old lady neighbors some food and I've been cooking a lot which I usually only do like once in a while for fun Mm -hmm. um but you know Allison Roman viral as fuck the Carrie Bradshaw of cooking (laughs) (laughs) that is so sexy honestly like that it is I'm jealous yeah like she's she's a funny one um but (laughs) My friend gave me her book um, at the end of last year. And so maybe last week I made like four things from it. Um, And it's been really fun because the book that I have is called Nothing Fancy. And it's like flavors or styles of dishes that I wouldn't go to on my own or like think to construct. But the way she does it, nothing is fancy. So it's like 
so doable, uh, especially baking. Yeah, it's really accessible. Like I've made, um, I've made a chicken dish of hers that was like vinegar and like a olive kind of topping on like a uh-huh. one sheet chicken pan dish. It was delish. And then she has this bucatini recipe that's literally like tomato paste, anchovies, and maybe garlic or something. And then you just like mix it all up and then put it on bucatini. It's really mm. good. That's a good quarantine one. Cause that's kind great... of stuff in your house. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, like all you really need. I mean, if I don't know how, what the pasta landscape and stores is looking like currently, but right. Yeah. It's so crazy. Like to how little is available. So I, on day 16, I guess, like maybe over the weekend, I went in the morning to the supermarket and the weed dispensary. Essentials. And those were my outings. Yeah. yeah. And I didn't let anyone go in with me because I just felt like, let me just, you know, get my gloves on and go out. So I walk into the weed dispensary. Nobody else is wearing gloves. Nobody is in a mask. There's no hand sanitizer. Like, you would not have known. I was like, this is too much for me right now. Um, Were they then, only letting one person in at a time? Okay, so in the waiting room, uh, usually I don't ever wait there. It's not like a busy – it's busy but not in that way where you need to be waiting. Um, but one guy was waiting. So I thought that – I guess that was my clue. That was the one thing they were doing for distancing. But so luckily there was only one guy there when I walked in. But as – him and I were waiting to walk in about four, like four groups consisting of like five to six people overall walked in and we're all waiting in the waiting area. And I was just like, Oh God, like envisioning lavender light around me and <laughs> all the peaceful, <laughs> the peaceful protection available to me, <laughs> but it was creepy. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, I will go usually on Mondays, I do any sort of errands that I need to do, which is either grocery store or post office. And yeah, post office feels especially like just a hotbed for COVID. I think just the nature of people going in there, like touching all the pens and like, just everything has been touched. But I realized I like wasn't wearing a mask. I wasn't wearing gloves. I was like actively trying to step away from some men that would come in there and just like stand Uh -uh. close. And I'm like, hello, like get away, like literally get away from me. But then people don't know. Yeah. Some people just like aren't clear on a six foot. What felt fun letting them know just. Get just back. being like, just to like walk away from them and kind of give them an yeah. admonishing stare. To be like, what the hell is your problem? Yeah, be like, I'm um, going to distance myself and I suggest you do the same and we'll both end up being safer in the long run. No, I'm an enforcer because in the <laughs> front yard, <laughs> there's like large windows from my bedroom uh, looking into the front yard. Mm-hmm. Uh is that too much to declare publicly? And no, then, I love um, it. I, <laughs> I, so my dad and many of it, we all do different activities in the front yard, which is kind of like a crazy kooky yard. It looks like some hoarder magician lives there, but there's like garden area and some cars and like 
just I hate this idea that because we're in the front yard that we're available to like talk number one yeah (laughs) but number two without proper distancing and so sometimes uh, I have no problem asserting my own boundaries but when I overhear like my dad or my mom talking to a neighbor especially my dad who I feel is more like resist I mean he complies as he's supposed to but he just like hates the you know hates that he can't do whatever he wants yeah um I have to go look out there like a dog and kind of bark (laughs) when he is too close to people um and that's what gives him the opportunity to back up but I'm like geez you are like for him I dropped my rose quartz for him he's a chain smoker my mom is over 60 I'm just like Take no chances, damn. Yeah, I don't understand parents that aren't taking this seriously. And I like have a lot of empathy for other other people whose parents are kind of iffy on things because like my I don't think my fam like my parents don't seem to be taking this very seriously. And so that's been a source of like heavy duty anxiety for me. Yeah. I literally, there's nothing I can do. I cannot enforce them. And it's just like, I guess you have to let them just do their thing. Like I try and send articles or be checking in and stuff, but it's just very frustrating. It's scary because I mean, I hope that we can all come out of this. Like, I mean, we're not all going to come out of it that way, but you and I clearly have been, you know, at home reading, we are people who work a lot from home anyway, even though I know jobs and professional and creative stuff has been disrupted for both of us. But like it, there's parts of this that just feel like a touch base for like the foundations of living, Mm -hmm. which can be really interesting to explore and like iterate around. But I just hope that we can have that vibe because it's a privilege to have that vibe. It's because no one is so directly impacted right now, you know? Yeah. No, I feel like insanely grateful for the fact that like my life has been set up the way that it is, which is very conducive to like being ordered to stay at home for months on end. Like I'm like on the spectrum of being negative, negatively impacted, like very low on the negative impact scale. And also it's like, weirdly, it all feels very like synchronistic in a lot of ways, because I've been struggling so much with like, working on a book proposal and carving out time to do it. And it literally is like the universe is making it impossible for me to not work on this project. So it naturally is just like, I'm getting like a lot of writing done as well. So, mm. and it literally I took like, a global pandemic and like a government order of stay home to get me to like sit down and write a single sentence. You're like, don't die, everybody. I'm cooking up something amazing here in Hollywood. I know. I'm like, I, I will announce the pre orders when they're available. <laughs> and I hope that you all live long enough to at least pre order the book. <laughs> uh, I really relate, though, because. Like, I was just joking, obviously, when I'm being like, I'm so popular, so it's hard to stay home. But it's like, there, it's just so crazy how much time things take. And I've, oh, you know me, like, from working, like, I've just always been such a, like, I'm an overachiever. I have endless energy, you know? Mm-hmm. I can maintain careers that are, like, 
they work together, but they're kind of separate. You know what I yeah. mean? Like I've always been really comfortable feeling like I can do it all. And only in the last year through like different versions of changing relationships or undoing things, I'm like, honestly, that just shows how much I expect from myself and that like, I just because I can like be a really busy person or a very booked person doesn't mean that that's going to be the most conducive to me doing what I love the most, the best, you know, or enjoying that process the most. So I'm glad that you find yourself with more time to like write because I, I just think that sometimes writing can be really quick and like natural And other times it can only feel like that after you've been spending literally hours getting in a vibe (laughs) and like, yeah. And it takes, you can't do that. It's going to take me, I think a while to get into a vibe where like the voices in my head aren't ignited into like fighting the writing process. Like, cause it's so, it's just something I haven't done consistently and so long like pretty much since I wrote the white girl problems book so it feels like there's just so much doubt and like self-consciousness and all these kinds of demons that I have to like just mentally ward off but I'm glad to have the next month ish to just like get into the groove and prove to myself that this is something I'm very capable of doing again and like sit with discomfort and figure out what that means and like process it in my own time. So it's a real, it's a real mental exercise as well as just like a habit forming exercise of like getting into a writing groove. Exactly. I think you're so capable and like you have such amazing stories to tell. And I think, the big one it's just such a challenge to like sit and well yeah sit and believe in yourself and also like for me at least I just want things to be amazing as they spit out of me Mm -hmm. and with writing you really know that everything we read and love so much or watch that has been taken from a screenplay has been worked on so much and like this I think we're both in different ways working on first drafts of some kind right now. And it's just like that experience feels just so thankless because it's not even going to be that good. (laughs) Yeah. You like, you just like work hard only to feel like such an idiot at the end of some, like some sessions where you're just like, am I even smart? Do I understand the English language? Like, How did I get this far in life? Like, it's, like, so many questions. Well, that's a huge thing. Like, I mean, this question of, like, am I – I mean, it seems vulnerable to share, honestly, but it's just, like, for any writer, but maybe for any person in the whole world, like, everyone thinks – everyone's wondering if you're smart enough to actually do what you want to do. And I think with writing, there is an elitism, uh, intellectualism, like, this – I grew up wanting to be, like, a great writer. And, like, I really valued some of these methods of, like, thinking and organizing reality and, like, education and aspiration. Like, I just bought into a lot of stuff that I actually don't think I need to buy into. Do you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't – there's just, like, a huge ego part of me that is so afraid to work on a book project because I just want it to be, like – a certain caliber of book in my head or whatever. Oh, absolutely. But the reality is like 
we love reading. I mean, I read like we but bo- I think you gave it to me. Like we both own a copy of Stassi Schroeder's book. Like mm-hmm. if she gets a book, everybody's getting a book. Like I went into a bookstore a week or so before quarantine and like a lot of really smart, brilliant friends, but like you know, you too and you already have extremely successful books, but just like, like we can look in a store and see a bunch of people we know with books in there. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like not I mean to even just have a book period is an accomplishment. So, but then yes. there comes this like added pressure of having it just be like, like you said, you want it to be like the best. Like everyone is just like blown away by like how real and amazing and deep your book is. And then it's like, I'll get in my head and I'll just be like, well, there's no way. Like I just don't have enough bylines. Like I haven't written anything for the New Yorker. Like maybe I'm just a like a shitty like comedy, like satire writer, but not even that. Like it's just and you can spiral out into this like comparison of your project versus like other people's trajectories that then just like will destroy me from the inside out. So then yeah. it's like you have to just remember what you're capable of and like the impact that your words have on people that love to read them because that's all you can really like focus on and control hope for or just like taking it really simply like you will love to read my book yes I will love to read your book yeah like it's really as simple as that and I think most people like we, I mean, for me at least, I literally have imagined hater. You I know, mean, we've talked about it before, like with writing, especially like with screenwriting. I don't feel like as worried about being smart because I don't think, like, I don't know. I think I'm smart enough to be a screenwriter, but I'm like, do I actually know the language of like sharing these stories the appropriate way for this? And then I don't know, just like for you, like you already for books and stuff like you have a community that's listening right now. That's so down to read whatever you write, watch whatever you work on, like listen to whatever you share. And, um, that's really beautiful. Yeah. I'm grateful for them. So we're going to check us out next year, babes. Yeah. 2021. (laughs) (laughs) We all thought it would be, this would be the year, but actually it's next year. Which is kind of, like, it's funny. Like, I had all these aspirations for, like, my podcast and, like, just hosting events and, like, interviewing and live stuff, right? Like, installation kind of vibes at events and everything. And I was, like, that's so fun. I really want that. Like, I did a small version of it and wanted more. And I was, like, okay, I'm going to be Tyranny Talks at Coachella. Tyranny Talks at this. Tyranny Talks at this. I'm, like, okay. Tyranny talks at home. There's literally nothing like (laughs) it's not this year, you know, like these Mm -hmm. things that you were kind of maybe hoping to arc out all year long. It's like, why don't you just see what it's like to write down a piece of paper or something or open a Google doc and like, what does Laura just want to write? Like without all the pressure of like, because I think you and I are similar where it's like, even it's like, you need to do the podcast. You need to do administrative work for the podcast like in a typical time you know you need to go run errands or have meetings or like we're just all trying so much all the time and like I don't think that's conducive to the like writing as much as this moment right now not at all it's like I can I will literally do anything instead of writing like I'd rather just like scrub out my bathtub or like 
literally find any sort of chore to do. So to take away all those outside distractions and like even as podcast stuff and like the live shows were ramping up and I had like a trip planned, like there was a lot of exciting stuff that I was looking forward to, but all of it was going to come at the cost of not writing or turning in any work to like my book agent. You know what I mean? So right, it feels like an organic, like, let's just stop. And also I think it's harder and you experience this too. Cause like, I know that you, your writing is like really personal and like, I think you have projects that you want to do that are really personal. It feels almost harder to take time and like write about yourself rather than like, write about something else or write an article about something or research. Oh, someone. Yeah. yeah. Or review something. I mean, the emotional aspect, but it's, I kind of wanted to ask you about that myself. Cause I think I've done a lot of like this one specific thing I'm really working on. Or like I had a really similar experience to you where like, even before any distancing was announced, I was like, no matter what, I'm taking two weeks off of my job in April and I'm writing this every day because I deserve to wake up and just, do, you know, to blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah. But like for me, I think because this particular project is personal and is take, it's really like a reflection on the last 10 years of my life or more in this way. Um, it's like, I don't have as much clarity as to just, it's like the, characters or the themes or the emotions like everything is richer because of that but the task of organizing it into this like digestible container whether that's a book or a movie or one story whatever it's like it just feels like there's so much it's such a rich world and like bank of experience that like dilute not diluting it but just distilling it into these forms is like it's just so much harder for me to do than to like write a 6,000 word journalism feature or something. Yeah. I think just the personal nature of it and you like want, you know, the, what you want something to feel like and like how you want a reader to feel. But then it's also like your own life. So you want to be like representing it accurately to your experience. It's like so many different things to balance together do you believe in desired outcome like do you believe in not someone told me one time like don't read the genre that you're working within do you believe that um honestly i don't think so like i feel like it's good research to start to read other people's work that's like relates to yours to to kind of self-teach because like I didn't go it's not like I went to like I wasn't like an English major you know what I mean like I didn't study writing in college and like certainly have like gone in and out of periods of writing but not enough to develop like a very like specific practice so I feel like it helps to read other people's work for me. I mean, I don't want to copy their voice. That's the only thing I'd be worried about, but I don't think that I could even do that with like writers that I love. Like I wouldn't be capable of that because it's just not my writing style. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting. And also even like, I've been reading a lot of memoirs and then like I, and you know, whether it's like a personal essay or a memoir or something, I'm not working on memoir, but like just saying like, it still could be close to what I'm writing, but 
I'm just hearing their voice so clearly that I'm not thinking about it as my, you know, I don't know. I don't really think like, I just read Cyrus Grace Dunham's memoir. Um, oh yeah. Called How a, was that? A year without a name. Um, it's so good. I really, really love it. Like, I don't know. I just thought it was really fun, sexy, honest. Like it has all these intense themes and intense life events and kind of like self reckonings. But, um, it also is just like the way that Cyrus relates to themselves, like the way that they share their inner voice is super enthralling and like, Ooh, like when someone can be that real with themselves, it is something that I like, I, you know, I just like think it's sexy when people are so honest. (laughs) Totally. And I think also reading like, even what you said about Flea's book, how it like, there's italicized moments of flashing forward. I think stylistically, when you see that kind of stuff, like for me, it inspires me to come up with my own like unique ways of stringing together a narrative. Yeah, that's so real. Like you just need to know what exists so you can play with it. And um, like, really trying to like, work as a screenwriter more than I ever have. Um, I it's not like I have specific scripts that I turn to every day or something, but like it's really important for me to read and reference scripts because I have this like patriarchal like feeling of separation from the form or like, you know what I mean? Just like screenwriting I think can be a very like bro-y segment of writing because it can be like people can be camera obsessed or like just, the technical nature of like the formatting. Um, it just makes me feel outside of it, even though that was literally my major in college, which is also stupid, but, um, yeah, so it's good to look around. I like it. Yeah. And especially for screenwriting, it's like, it's all structure. Like you have to kind of know how to play within that very specific structure. And right. So even if I studied it, I don't feel like I know it. Yeah. And like, it's like, you have to mince words so often and like find a way to say what you want to say with like as little fluff as possible, which is challenging. Yeah, because like when I dream of like, you know, I would love to write a book of essays. And when I do that, you have the power to include to be beautiful with the way you use language. And Mm -hmm you can achieve some of that like grace or style or humor and screenwriting, but it's not about language being beautiful. It's about like a world being beautiful or, you know what I mean? Uh, you're, you're just looking at it so differently. Yeah. It's a real show journey instead of a tell journey. Um, I do watch a lot of TV. I don't want to come off that I've only been reading during this shit. Um, no, what are you watching? I need to know at all. Okay, so I have a private treat, which is like going back to Bravo shows. And this is a practice in general where like I haven't caught a particular season or two. And so then I go back and rewatch it on Hulu. And it's just so, so entertaining for me. And I've been watching... Um, season seven of orange county housewives which is when brooks comes into the picture with vicky um a drifter character Mm -hmm. it's just so good it's also the first season of heather dubrow being on the show and you know i just 
I just love her. <laughs> I love her. I love her. And it's Terry, right? Yes. Yeah. I love her husband so much. Like, I'm very... You would totally three-way them. <laughs> oh, 100%. <laughs> I'm very aware. I love... I hope all the readers know that I could play you like a sexual T, you know? I just love... <laughs> you know me so Identifying well. your triggers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Okay, so yeah, I watched Tiger King, very viral, um, and I definitely enjoyed that. Um, I love Well Groomed. It's a documentary on HBO about creative dog painters. Ooh, yeah, I've been Have circling you seen that? that. I've like it's seen so good. a little like picture for it on my yes, HBO I love Now it. app. Yeah, I watched Better Things with Pamela Alden or Adlon, I guess. Um, on FX, it's really good. Mother daughter story. Um, what are my other main shows right now? Well, I watch a Bravo show every night of the week right now. I got to be honest. I watch Love. Below Deck Sailing Yacht. Um, I watch Vanderpump, of course. I watch Summer House. I watch. Um, Top Chef, I watch. I even watch the new show, Family Karma. How is Family Karma? It's pretty good. I mean, um, I love, like, I love a new group to get to know. Um, it's a group of people, like, Indian, like, 30-year-old. I would say they're all, like, 30-somethings with a couple of characters in their 20s um, that are First-generation Indian Americans living in Miami, which I think is a really, really sexy part of the show. I just live for South Florida vibes in general. Totally. Um, and then I also really like it because of kind of the close nature of the community there. Um, and also because some of them live at home, that the parents are also like an echelon of characters in the universe of the show, too. And they have their own drama. With involving the kids and not, and um, it's really good. <laughs> okay, cool. I'm gonna watch that because I was like, I've been intrigued ever since I started to see the previews for it, and then I need a new Bravo show. It's nice. It's like feels comforting on Tuesdays and Wednesdays to have Vanderpump and then Summer House, but I need, I need, yeah, more. yeah. And hey, if you don't catch it till the next day over lunch for one. That's good, too. You know, you don't need to be pre Like, Family Karma feels like an extra treat. Summer House used to be this way for me, but now I'm, like, really into it. Where, like, I I don't need to watch it the minute it airs. Like, I do some programs. But just knowing it's there for me right now is just, like, so good. Yeah, it's a security blanket. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. I also watched Shaws of Sunset, um, as I may have mentioned. And, like, I'm really in favor of Bravo expanding 
their repertoire of shows to include as many individual ethnic groups and subcultures as possible. So yeah, I can't wait. I feel like <laughs> it's that, only up from here. It is only up from here for Bravo. I think they're really yeah. going to thrive through this. They have a lot of time to develop new ideas right now. So let's hope that they use their uh, quarantine wisely. I would love to see an ensemble of Armenian Americans um, on a Bravo show. Yeah, I would love to see like Bravo's version of like a Kardashian esque family. Mm, Just solely, yeah. solely from an Armenian perspective, it does not have. They don't have to. Be. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, they're the bottom of the barrel of the Armenian community. We've got <laughs> we've got better stars. Yeah, <laughs> not, I'm, I say we. I'm not. I'm not Armenian by any means. I don't want to watch a show of Irish people, which is what my ethnic background is. <laughs> Did you watch the new? Are you watching the new season of Keeping Up? Oh, hell yeah. 9 p.m. Thursdays. Oh, my God. I cannot believe that Kim and Courtney got into a physical altercation. The best part is, like, for me, I loved I loved it. I couldn't get enough of it. Can't wait for it to continue this coming week. But, like, I love – it's one thing to just, like, react and hit somebody, you know? I mean, not saying that that's typical, but just, like – to be like, to like stop or something like that or throw yeah, something you know at someone I mean? or like a light slap if they're in close proximity and they're pissing you off is like we I've done that. Especially I can see it among siblings who have grown who you literally like grow up being comfortable with that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But the fact that there was already like beat, beat, beat and then Kim really got to feel like noticed the marks in her arm and was like this bitch really is digging at me the fact that she like, like sprinted at her and like went relentlessly for more that was just everything that was shocking i think it's i'm shocked and i think it's the utmost babe behavior to get into a brawl like as an adult i just am like whoa that takes a takes a true babe but then on camera to do that feels like a real like break from the norm. You know, Chris was so relieved when that happened because <laughs> it made the whole finally Kylie. she had something to tease. Yeah. Wait, but also I mean, this, I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed with Kylie just being like, I'm sick and like, I'm not going to show up to something that truly had to be like a huge business deal between it was huge huge like that is not like a that is like a thing where unless you are literally on your deathbed you go but since she's a billionaire it's like she has no she doesn't give a fuck she's like my throat's sore not going and like you know what i couldn't take to wait sorry finish no and then just chris's desperation of offering her kids (laughs) cash i was like whoa that was incredible and the her being like, she's I feel so weird. Yeah, she's like, I feel so weird asking you this, lol, but please do it. Like, and she would have literally given them like suitcases of cash. What about when someone says she should do it and Kim goes, oh, they'd have to roll her out? <laughs> it's so mean. <laughs> um, that was ridiculous. I remember Kylie not doing it because I remember I follow like Victoria. 
one of her her former assistant and friend mm-hmm. and she's like Colombian hottie Instagram influencer based that's on her, that friendship. That's her former assistant? Yeah. Okay, that was her assistant. Good to know. Okay, I have a lot of questions, but go ahead because this is now getting into Okay, go go go. Yeah. Well, basically like at the time that this happened, Stassi baby, her life, you know, longtime friend and fellow Instagram and you know, they have matching body work done. Um, mm-hmm. Victoria and Stassi were in Paris and I, it's like, I don't follow the Kardashians because I just click on them for a digest whenever I feel like it instead of like seeing it all the time. Um, but I follow these two even more nobodies. And then I, they were like, we're in Paris on behalf of Kylie Cosmetics. Kylie isn't here at the Balmain show, but we are, and we're going to be show, you know, like doing their best to like jump in and activate social on behalf of Kylie. And so when the episode started, I was immediately like, she's not going to show up. She's not going. (laughs) I remember Uh, too, like watching that show, like looking on like Vogue runway or whatever. And like just reading that, like Kylie wasn't even there. And the thing is, when you do a business deal with literally anybody in this day and age, I mean, of this nature, like, even if it was with, like, a micro, micro, micro person who has nowhere near the following of, even if, you know, even if it was somebody with 5,000 followers, these deals, when it's, like, this, like, multifaceted, like, production activation thing, like, they want, no matter who you are, they want you there and posting and to be a face of it and, like, for Kylie, like, who gives a fuck about Kylie Cosmetics? That whole deal was really just to have, I mean, from Balmain's perspective, is to have Kylie there yeah. and to be photographed a billion times and, like, you know, And have, like, all fashion that. moments all over Paris and probably hosting parties and, like, generating Dinners, yeah. literally. Um, and I'm in, what still I in a state take. of shock about the not showing up. But the fact that she didn't even have a uh, a camera on her, like she couldn't have even selfie videoed herself. Like, why the hell is that a whole storyline when there's no app? Like, Chris has to carry the whole resolution of the story on her own because Kylie can't be bothered to film herself saying how sick she is, let alone have a real camera there. Yeah, I'm like, it feels something. It's something ain't right. You know she wasn't that sick. She was probably nervous to walk down the runway. She probably <laughs> just like it was either nervous to walk down the runway or she had some sort of like my like conspiracy theory that I've come up with just personally is that she had some sort of procedure done like maybe weeks or a month in advance or something and then something went wrong or maybe she got some sort of infection and that had to be dealt wow. with, which is why she couldn't even be on camera. Because especially if it was like a facial tweak, like say she got threads or something or like right. got a little filler touch up. But then ha- like, so I feel like it's something along those lines. That's really interesting perspective because it's like, why can't you just show us? And as for the fight, that was like the mini fight before the real fight where Kendall insinuates that she'll show up ride or die babe nice try go watch the 20 years before you were around of the show like or like in an adult way because they're Kim and Chloe you can say what you want about them in so many ways like I mostly am sick of make 
making their skin, like that they paint themselves almost black almost every day that kills me and disgusts me but these bitches work hard they show up they go above and beyond for their job and that is a huge reason why they're so successful and so it's like I get Kendall being like oh you don't know I show up but it's like babe you don't show up the same way like no you'll never know what these two went through yeah they laid all the groundwork like because they showed up to everything is why you are now doing what you do a hundred percent and like you will never have been as hungry for like you can I don't know because I think like I just don't think you can be as ambitious if you already have so much available like you can still aspire or have goals or whatever but like not that Kardashians were like hurting for money or security or something but like they just literally like weren't famous or weren't you know Kim is still like has I'm sure, like, marks that are, like, her goals to achieve. I mean, we see it with, like, the law stuff. Like, I just feel like they, when they were born on a reality show and so famous, and so they'll never, like, they'll ne- like, you already said, she's a billionaire. Why does she care about upsetting Balmain for one minute? And unlike Kim, who worked her ass off to be acknowledged by the fashion community, Kylie's already been known as like a little swag star whether you believe it or not you know so yeah she doesn't from care. day one yeah she, she just has doesn't care no cares but now after that episode then i've started going into like watching like kylie's youtube videos which then has led me to stassi baby's youtube channel and oh, yeah. now i'm trying to learn the whole cast of like kylie's friends and they're oh, I know so fascinating okay wait i'm like <laughs> Because I'm trying to figure I mean, them all out. To my out. best knowledge, I know most of them. Yeah, like Sassy <laughs> Baby, I'm now obsessed She's iconic. with her. She's iconic. Also, she like, I love her too because she has a YouTube channel. She like films vlogs for, but she kind of like, she tries, but not that hard. And I think she oh, doesn't no, really understand. She goes, hey, vlog every day. Like is saying like, hey, to her vlog, which is like. And you can tell that she just shoots stuff and sends it to an editor who like puts together videos for her. But I'm still obsessed with her. And like she must she's on she has to be like on Kylie's payroll. Yes. For her, I don't believe so. Okay, but there's unimaginable perks. I mean, I don't know, like because her and Kylie have been best friends since like sixth grade or something and one of my entrance points into like this cast of characters is just like knowing that they were like you know they're definitely younger than me but like just valley girls like they're Mm -hmm. all like calabasas or even like um tarzana like just rich valley girls i forget what stassi's dad does but he's like maybe med i don't know actually but like she comes from a wealthy family um, I just like how she's like this, like, I, I forget her full last name, but she just gives me like Eastern European porn star, you know? Yeah, she's Greek. Her last name is like Karinakalu or something like that. But yeah. she does definitely do like an Eastern European like. And her and Kylie have exactly the same body work done. Yeah. And they go like, you know, that they get plastic surgery together because Stasi will document some of her plastic surgery journeys on her youtube and like kylie went with her to go get lasik once so i'm like the best thing and most fun thing to do if you're gonna have plastic surgery is get it with one of your best friends 
what should we get? (laughs) (laughs) I'm ready when you are. (laughs) I mean, I have an area where I'm like, this will definitely probably be like where I inject first. So maybe (laughs) I cannot wait to just get a hot load of Botox to the dome once this is all over and like just filler (laughs) uh, just like spray dick me down with filler once covid is erased watching people who have i love watching videos of people who don't get rhinoplasty but who use filler to sculpt the nose it's so miraculous to me it's really miraculous, but apparently it's inc- it can be incredibly dangerous because you have so really? many veins and blood vessels like in your nose that um, it's just not necessarily like widely advised. Like I asked my stepmother who um, I get anytime that I'm like in Oklahoma, I'm always trying to like go over to her office and get injected with something. And I was asking about the nose jobs and that's what she was saying is that it's just like a lot of, there's just a lot of blood vessels and veins. That's crazy to be careful of. And you have to like, and there's, that's the whole thing too with any sort of injectables is you really have to know what you're doing. So you don't like hit a vein. Wow. I, that's too crazy. I don't yeah. want it. Um, should I tell you a couple more? Yeah, I want to know. No. Yeah, Victoria. So Victoria has a sister, right? It's Victoria. Sophia. <laughs> Sophia. Okay, yeah. I was going to yeah. say Sarah, but it's Sophia. Yes. Yeah, this is the bad bitches club. You know, I mean, I I want to go to Cabo with these girls. Um, Same. I want to go on vacation. all go on vacay. Yeah. And I do believe that Kylie picks up all the vacations and she provides them with clothes to wear. Like Stassi, like, no, I don't think Stassi's getting paid by Kylie. But am I, she will, Kylie has a habit for twinning, which I do think is very editorial. So, like, for Instagram, you know, she wants to not just have a Chanel outfit for her, but she wants one for Stassi so that they're in the snow together and they're both in the Chanel, like that kind of thing. Smart. Um, yeah. Victoria hasn't been her assistant for like a year or a year and a half, but formerly she was the assistant for like at least three or four years. And probably when she was like 18 or 19 herself, you know, um, mm-hmm. on. And then if the show is really, really bad, but if you watch, you can see her in episodes of Life of Kylie. Oh, yeah. Um, and then, so, like, Stassi's more her friend from, like, when her and Jordan were friends, too. Like, that old school group. Mm-hmm. And then um, these sis like, Victoria came in, and then now she just has her own platform enough where, like, she's doing bikini collabs, and, like, she has moved on, you know, but she's still really close to Kylie, which I think is cool because like Steph Shep or like some of Kim's more famous former assistants, like they, they might be cool, like in fate or Instagram land, but they're not like actually hanging out, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite of Kylie's crew. And so yeah, Victoria's sister is Sophia and she's really hot. Like, I really like how Sophia looks. Yeah, they're um, both I have a hot. Crush on her. They're both quarantining right now with Stassi Baby. Right. I don't know if they moved into her house or she what. She had because... them move in, yeah. Oh, wow. And then my favorite is Eurice Palmer. 
who is a Latina woman who is part of this crew. I don't know if you've seen her. Yeah, I saw her in Kylie's most recent, like, um, most likely to video. Oh, yeah, where they're like, I where they had to like, hold up people like each other's faces. Also, they like love getting wasted. It's so they're so like perfectly 22 years old because it's still oh, when yeah. you just like love to like drink and it's like fun. Like you're not getting like brutally hung over to where you're questioning your entire life and like want to die. You're just like being hot taking and shots. drinking, taking shots and like joking about being wasted. Well, they only drink like, was it called 1800 or something? Like, yeah, they're drinking like top shelf tequila. Yeah, it's like in that pretty bottle. They're con- it's definitely not 1800. That's like actually like shittier, I think. <laughs> Whatever they're drinking is like really looks good. I always in that want kind it. of like amber bottle that's like tall and triangular. I think it's 1942. Yeah, is what it's called. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Kylie's definitely fun. Just, like, in a gossip way, like, we're doing, you know? It's because, like, she drinks more than, like, Kendall, per se. Or, like, I also like, like, Kendall probably gets drunk at, like, a fashion party after killing herself all week in Paris, right? And, like, surrounded by the top tier of her industry and whatever. And Kylie gets drunk with her friends in the studio at her makeup lab, like, in Calabasas, you know, like, and goes home after, like, I love that about it. And I, Chloe and Kylie did a video where they're taking shots while doing their makeup. Mm-hmm. And like, it's super dumb, but I just like the norm. Cause like Chris Jenner drinks so much, like just show us how much you drink everybody. That would make reality TV a lot more interesting. Yeah. Cause especially on keeping up with the Kardashians, they're rarely pictured like, the only one that really like people lean into them being drunk is like Chris. And then every once in a while, like I, there was like last season, Chloe got drunk in Vegas or whatever. Yeah. But like, it's not, exactly. it's not like Vanderpump where it's just like their mainlining booze at every hour of the day. Which is just amazing. Like the way that those people can like pregame and drink and drink the next morning and then drink with dinner that night. It's just, yeah, it's, it's a just not behold. Um, let's do a little bit of reader mail, shall we? Please. Okay. My grandpa is babing out. Dear Lara, long time first time. My grandpa has me and our entire family in a place of nunca. He's a very ebullient 88 years old and splits his time between a home in Florida and a home in Western Illinois. He and his girlfriend, also 88, have been live, laugh, loving a snowbird journey in Florida during the winter months. But then Corona hit and they both started spiraling into total babe K-hole. For a few days, they kept hinting to us that they wanted to travel back to Illinois because, quote, at our age, you need to be close to the medical facilities and doctors that know you, unquote. We were all like, uh, no, Grandpa, that's fucking crazy. His girlfriend kept saying she needed to go home so she could do her taxes. They had tickets to go home today, March 24th, a.k.a. peak pandemic hellscape. Finally, Sunday night, they insisted they would be driving home and were going to stop at a hotel somewhere. 
My dad and my aunt, this is my paternal grandpa, had been trying to persuade him not to do this, that the risks were not worth it and was irresponsible. Apparently, of course, we're hearing this third hand, his girlfriend's children thinks it's a, think it's a marvelous idea. My grandfather completely refused to even speak to my mom when she tried to talk to him. She is formidable, and he knew he could not sustain the wrath of such a daughter-in-law. Finally, my aunt and uncle said that they would leave from Chicago in a rental car and meet them halfway in Chattanooga so the four of them could drive through the night so they wouldn't be further exposed. But of course, they would still have to stop and use the bathroom and get gas. Then, instant karma struck. My grandfather came down with a severe case of vertigo early in the morning before they were set to leave and had to be admitted to the hospital and is not safe to drive. Even though I'm freaking out about him being in a hospital, I was so relieved. The night before, I was trying to convince my dad to hire someone on Craigslist to go over and slash their tires. (laughs) (laughs) So this is my question. My dad and aunt have the same impression that this is all my grandfather's girlfriend's idea. This is completely out of character for my stoic, rational, conservative grandpa. So should I call this elderly twat and shame her? I want to call and ask her how she will feel if her selfish demands result in depriving me, my brother, and cousins of our one remaining grandparent. I'm pissed. Is this idea a babe or a babe? Help this babe in need. Wow. Wow. I mean, I think it's probably both of their ideas. Like, it seems like they're both gung-ho about being psychos right now, so I wouldn't it's, I think it's easier to blame her since you're hearing third hand that like she and her family are the ones encouraging this behavior. But your grandfather also has the capability of being like, no, we're staying in and like having a sensible reaction to this. So I'd say he's just as much at fault. I would say call him and not to go off, but to like, I definitely am more comfortable with anger than like fear or sadness expression wise, but like channeling your true emotion of concern, fear and love for your grandpa and like really speaking to him directly about that and how it relates into your considerations with Corona. I think it could be effective. Yeah. And I think that's the most that you can do. Like ultimately, this is a really interesting lesson in how much control we don't have over anything but ourselves. And right. that's a lot to grapple with. Cause I know I hate like the unknown and like, I'm very like risk averse in a lot of ways. And so it just is, it's been a constant like confrontation of the unknown during this time. So it's a real like mental gymnastic but yeah, I would agree with Tierney. Call your grandfather. He's the one that you really are like having all the worried about. about. You yeah. Don't, yeah. Like, you know, I mean, I also do really like what you're saying, though, of like emphasizing that you can only control yourself during this time, because I definitely struggle with like the legacy of codependency that I'm sure you can relate to that cultivates from like certain elements of your parents or whatever just being like crazy and then you're used to worrying about them or like worrying about what's going on or something and like for me that definitely creates a lifelong pattern of just like being so quick to like worry about not necessarily give advice to but like want to correct the people I love the most because I'm like worried for them but like 
oh, that could just make you so resentful and anxious. So, like, just give yourself something extra loving today to, like, think about that shows just the part of you that's not connected to anybody, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sound advice. I hope that your grandpa recovers from his vertigo and then stays home in Florida where he belongs. If I had to buy one COVID vibe candle, what would it, what should it be? Assume money is no object. Thanks. Oh, (laughs) that kind of assumption. Fuck. You're just like getting us both off right now, dear reader. Wow. Yes. I love a money is no object candle purchase. It's safe to assume that money is no option. Um, Okay, well, here's a news flash is that Diptyque is doing um they're of course in like a retail downward spiral, so they're scrambling as most places are and offering like crazy discount. Well, they're not offering discounts, but they are releasing their archives um starting yesterday when you guys will listen to this starting march 30th through like april 6th so all this week they're going to be releasing i guess like old archived scents of candles that you can't get anymore so that's what i've been keeping an eye on i would say like buy buy a handful of those and just try some new scents can we ask the uh, like another version of that question which is like what would you advise if money is like kind of a thing on our mind right now because of all the work shit yeah i would say honestly there's good candles in like the pf okay so the pf candles in the metal tins i've really Uh liked those i find that they have a better throw than the ones in like those little amber mason jars um yeah there's some like seda france candles um that you can get on Amazon that I think they're in like the $25 range. And those are really good. I always am recommending people to get the Japanese Kints candle. Mm -hmm. Um, What else is good? Even like if you wanted to do like a small, like the mini diptyques, I think are only like 20 or $30, but even I'm now noticing on like sites like Poshmark, there are people selling them for cheaper than that. And they are smaller, but if you wanted still like to feel a sense of that luxury, it could be a good option. Nice. Um, I'm looking up. So I have, I have like an Amazon storefront that I started and I just started like putting down every candle in my storefront that I would like want to try. Let me see. Yeah. Nice. Like an idea list. So I'm looking now to see like what the more sensibly priced ones are. Oh, I'm looking at this data France that your recommendation already. It's looking pretty good. Yeah. That's a good one. I've really enjoyed that. It's a great throw and like feels luxury to me. I'd say also like the Volume Spa Moso Bamboo Candle is one of my favorites. And that ranges from like, you can find it from like 20 to $30, depending on what size you want to buy. And you can get for like $33 or something, you can get a huge one. Ooh, I want to try that because I really like, yeah, that line of candles. Um, 
it's always done me good for almost every scent I've tried, but I haven't um, experienced the bamboo yet. Yeah, apparently it's Diddy's favorite candle. So he loves a cluster. It must be Lux. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But also, if money is truly no object, I would say check out Perfumer H's candles. They're like prohibitively expensive. And they're also like they smell amazing. I know friend of the pod Ed Drosty has gotten really into them. So I've smelled a couple from them and he bought one called ivy that's like insane but they are like 150 dollars a pop maybe more in some cases so if you're really looking to like drop a lot of cash on one candle that could be a good option i would love to try a frederick mall candle have you ever had one of his i haven't and i've been told by a lot of trustworthy candle heads that they're top-notch Oh, the um, the perfumes are just so nice, like amazing. It's a goal of mine to own one. So the candles must seem pretty good, too. And I think they're on the pricey side. Yeah, I think they're like 90-ish dollars, which is a lot. Just because it's also like still a relatively small. The one I'm looking at says a summer night on the Riviera where the milky comfort and spice of gardenia in the day Gives way to a green, fruity freshness at dusk. Yes. Ugh. Yes, please. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, have you been? Have you been burning anything recently? Um, I so I'm actually at a juncture where I have just like I've gotten I've gone through so much like aromatherapy products in the last. And like the first three months of the year, I thought I had a better supply. Um, I've been burning the field incense or no yield incenses. I got confused because you love the field. I love field apothecary. Yeah. But how are the yield incenses? I was kind of underwhelmed by their candles. I have to be honest. So I haven't tried. It's good to know because I haven't tried the candles, but I've tried to of the incenses and I've restocked one of them. Um, I picked it up at other wild in LA, like the, it's kind of a red, um, a red box of incense. And like, I didn't realize that it was organized by different architects. So like, then I kind of laughed at myself that I'm like, Oh, I love a Frank Lloyd Wright incense. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but, it, <laughs> but it smells like, like a, they say like kind of like a dusty, Dusty Rose laundry. It's like someone's home in LA, basically. I don't know. Like, very, it smells really good. And the other one I have is called like Aveals, or so that one's called Right. And the Aveals is like, I'm probably saying it wrong, but it's like lemongrass and um, something a little smoky and also maybe grapefruit, I think. Ooh. The long story short is I really, really like the incense enough that I was considering the candle but if you say that they're not too impressive I'm not gonna bother they don't have the best throw and they're kind of expensive for what they are is my opinion because I think the candles range from like I want to say like 40 to 60 dollars or something yeah it's like considerable considered like the Valespa and everything yeah the the incense from Wright is $15, which comes with, like, at least 
I think it's 12 or 15 sticks. So, um, and it says luxury to me. Like I like spending a little bit more money on incense and then having like, it's like I savor that and that feels luxe, but like spending money on a candle that isn't really doing it for you is like a terrible. No, this is the most I've ever spent on incense. Like I was always pretty happy with like, a $5 lavender incense or Japanese jasmine or, you know, Mm -hmm. um, some of those brands that are only like five or seven bucks. But yeah, like this is warm notes of desert rose, sand and amber. Ooh, Um, Yes. And I just love it. This is my favorite one. The other one I tried is like the more lemony one and, um, it's good, but this right, it makes me feel like I'm in the coziest, like sexiest, airbnb fantasy (laughs) Mm, i love um okay i'm gonna do one more reader mail that really gave me chills um and it will end on a high note because this is a great one dear lara i just wanted to write you a love and light tale in these most trying of times about how babe changed my entire life for the better the story begins almost exactly one year ago when i listened to an episode you had with guest chris black But first, a little backstory. During college, I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder and developed a co-occurring bulimia disorder in an effort to manage my mood and self-soothe with an artificial sense of control. Eight years later, and I was managing the bipolar part of things, but the eating disorder was raging on like a real insidious bitch. During the episode with CB, he said while discussing him kicking a persistent and severe drug habit, something along the lines of... I stopped one day because I didn't want to let it keep me from doing the shit I wanted to do. It was one of those light breaking through the clouds, stop in your tracks moments. I couldn't stop thinking about how my eating disorder was keeping me from doing all the shit I wanted to do. So after eight years, I stopped being bulimic like that day. After about a month, I decided to go on a celebratory solo trip to DC. While there, I went on Tinder and matched with a bunch of guys who all felt exhaustingly high maintenance. Then, after about 25 matches, I saw the one. Everything about him spoke to me, from his cute glasses to his curly hair to his job, lawyer. His name also rhymed with mine, which felt like fate. I went to message him and saw he was over a thousand miles away. My heart dropped. I put the phone down and spent the next half hour thinking about him. I finally messaged him because I knew I would regret it if I didn't. He messaged back, and it turns out we passed each other in the airport with me flying into town and him flying back home to Texas to be with his ailing grandmother. We texted all night, all day, and by the time I flew home, I was pretty sure I was in love with him. After years of fearing commitment, I was suddenly telling my shocked and nervous mother that I had met the man I was going to marry. After a few days of talking nonstop, I booked a flight to Austin from Boston to have a six-day first date with a man I'd never met in person before babe he was waiting for me at the airport with flowers and we said i love you to each other that night it was the most perfect week of my life and he showed the true depth of his romance by standing in the laxative aisle with me when i got traveler's tummy on day three we did long distance for six months until my lease was up and i moved to dc to a chic luxury apartment we picked out together it's been a year since i listened to that episode of the pod and this year i traveled to europe with my best friend Traveling with people was something I was always afraid to do because of my eating disorder. I moved to a different city. I was promoted at work and just received a substantial raise. And I got to fall in love for the first time with a supportive partner who is bisexual, brew positive, and truly the cutest man I've ever seen. Babe. 
apologies for the long letter but you and your podcast have not only given me lols but have changed my entire life and i will be forever grateful to you for that my absolute queen oh can you even deal with that email chills and tears i'm so happy for this reader i'm so happy for her she also sent pictures of her and her mans and they're so cute together i'm dying wow I'm so happy that look at how that happens when you show up for yourself too. like you were celebrating your own achievement off top you know like mm-hmm. and that ushered in so much good yeah it's like even making like a tiny change which i guess <laughs> stopping being bulimic is not no tiny change but i mean it's just like a domino effect well it's also so kind of like a secret change in a way because it's not something that you're like it's like those are the kind of changes that are the craziest to make because you're really the you're the one that can fool yourself or that can betray yourself without having to be accountable um to others so mm-hmm. it's just that much more impressive and amazing that you're on this healing path and look how amazing that community of readers is I love it. I love that gave me truly just like chill, like full body chills when I read it first this morning and then even rereading it now. I was just like, oh, my God, I am obsessed with your life for you. You got a raise, babe, on top. I know. (laughs) You got it all. A girl boss in our midst. Right. And that apartment sounds nice. Yeah, really firing on all cylinders. Go off. Um, well, Tierney and I are going to get into a bonus episode here in a little bit, but Tierney, thank you so much for joining me on this journey. I so appreciate it. It was so fun. Thank you for talking to me. It feels like you're my wellness check. I think you're pretty well. Uh-huh. Woo! You know me. <laughs> I gotta get an A. Gotta do it. <laughs> Overachiever. Can I shout out one reader quickly too? Yes, um, yes. Shout out well, everything. Number one, number one, thank you to every reader who's ever talked to me. Like I know I always tell Laura, but um, I feel like coming on Babe has helped me make like so many cute friends. Um, like people coming up and saying they listen and especially a girl I just met at the Sam Buck show the other night. It was so fun talking. Um but also a reader, I believe his name's Sonia, who I met in Ensenada over my birthday trip. Lara, I was in a tiny, tiny outdoor-only winery in, like, the Baja, Mexico kind of coast area. Mm-hmm. And I there was, like, a communal table, and I met a reader who loves you, loves babe, and she had me crying and so happy and it was like my birthday trip and it was so cute. So I hope Sonia is having an amazing social distancing moment with her man or whoever else she might be hanging out with right now. Thank you for chatting to me. Oh, that's so fun. I love it when like I was in Hawaii in January, like on kind of a lark of a trip and in the Hawaii airport, as I was about to fly back to LA, I ran into a reader that was like, I love the podcast. And I was just like, how does this even happen? It's a real life affirming moment. We all just want to be recognized, Mm -hmm. you know, at the end of the day. Literally. I mean, and for when it's like personal and emotional. Also, I was sitting at a table of hell of friends of mine. So I was just having to be like, 
I paid her, like, you know. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, you should listen to Tierney's podcast, Tierney Talks. It's on Yay. iTunes, Spotify, everywhere. You just did an amazing, like, Tierney Talks installation at the Freeze Los Angeles, which was so cool. Thank you so much. Extra um, levels of chicness. I expect yeah, nothing less. Yeah, it was less. really fun. Oh, you know I love a global curation. And mm-hmm. um, I'm going to have a new episode of Tierney Talks out Friday. And then all the free stuff you're mentioning is going to start coming out next week. So Amazing. I hope you enjoy from your apartment. <sighs> um, well, we're going to hop off. But sending everyone love and light. Bye. Babe? Cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com.